First service, I had my phone out here so I could tell what time it was. I'm going to put it up this time. <laughs> oh, no. I just wonder where Kevin Seeger is going to be looking for a job next week. I'm not real sure. <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 9 through 17 briefly. I know we're... Time's about to get away from us. Um, the other night, I was uh, in the den watching television, and the kids were in bed, Molly was in bed, and other than the television, I heard uh, some voices, and I thought, well, what in the world is that? Where's that coming from? You know, so being the responsible dad that I am, I get up and I walk throughout the house trying to find out where these voices are coming from. And so I determined that it comes from Jay's room. So I go to Jay's room, and Jay is, you know, laying in the bed, and he's listening to Scott Davis preach a sermon. And I thought to myself, wow. I said, son, listen, listen, why don't you play some music to help soothe you and help make you go to sleep? <laughs> he said, Dad, you don't understand. This helps me go to sleep. I'll be looking for a job with Kevin Seeger next week. <laughs> the title of today's message is KISS. Y'all know what that stands for, right? Keep it simple, student. <laughs> I told the first service my wife has a different definition for it. Keep it short, stud. No, she doesn't... Uh... <laughs> But really, today's message has two points. Two points. And hopefully we can develop those quickly. But if you would, please stand with me in reverence of God's Word as we read Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 17. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful promise that all things hold together in Christ Jesus. Were it not so, our life would be in shambles. God, I pray that this morning, as I have prepared my best to speak, I pray, Lord, that as I speak to the people's ears, that you would do what only you can do and speak to their hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. The first point that I want to make this morning is simply pray, 
pray, pray, and pray some more. You see, Paul wrote to the Colossians in response to reports of Gnosticism, false teachings, and local Jewish and pagan folk beliefs. When Paul hears of the spreading influence of this teaching that devalues Christ and fails to appreciate the new identity of believers in Christ, he writes this letter of warning and encouragement. So Paul takes this opportunity to encourage believers to press on towards spiritual maturity, that they would press on in their battle against sin, and that they would pursue holiness and godly living, and he encouraged them to live a life that stands out against the world. When the world is telling them to go this way, he says, no, I want you to live a life that's totally and completely separate from what the world calls you to be. I want you to live a life that honors and pleases the Lord Jesus. That's what Paul prays for the Colossians. Church and parents, this is what we need to pray for our students as we send them out as ambassadors for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they too will live a life totally and completely separate for the Lord Jesus. I guess all we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to pray that type of prayer? You know, Paul could have prayed that they would be, not be persecuted He could have prayed that, Lord, keep them safe. He could have prayed, Lord, make them excel in academics or make them excel in their finances or or improve them in this area of life. But Paul knows and Paul knew that what trumps all of those things is walking in close harmony in an intimate, passionate relationship with their creator and with their redeemer and with their savior. That's what's important. So I guess the question is this. Is that what we're praying for our students? Because it might take them to places where we thought that it may not take them. As we will see in a few moments as the scripture points out. But before we can pray for them to that end, we too ourselves must be focused on that kind of lifestyle. And that kind of prayer. So the first point is, pray, 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 and pray some more. So what is it that Paul prays for? He prays here that the Colossians would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And we're going to learn about what the knowledge of God's will is, hopefully, a little bit this morning. You see, we do have a thirst for knowledge. A lot of us thirst for knowledge in sports. You know, we can tell you what, uh, when our team won the national championship, and we might could be able to tell you who was on that team, or we might be able to quote statistics from a baseball team, or a golf outing, or a tennis match, or whatever. We have a thirst for knowledge when it comes to sports. But we also have a thirst for knowledge when it comes to news. We turn on the news, and it intrigues us, and some of us could probably tell uh, all the world events that are on every news channel. Some of us excel in the knowledge of of academics. Some of us excel in the knowledge of of business. Some of us excel in the knowledge of of, of gaining a, a good reputation and what it takes to gain a good reputation in society. 
We thirst for knowledge. Some people are just know-it-alls, aren't they? You ever been around a know-it-all? I have. Ben Thomas. He's in the choir. Philip Mason, he's up in the balcony. Yeah. We're at the beach and uh, on our junior-senior beach retreat. They are, they are encouraged over and over and over to wear sunscreen out on the beach. Nah, we don't burn. We just tan. <laughs> well, the next day, Ben wakes up after being out all day on the beach. And he says, I've never hurt so bad before in my life. Both of them looked like they had been deep fried in chicken grease. It hurt me. It really did to look at it. If we only pursue the things of the world, I believe one day we will wake up and wish that we had pursued the greater knowledge of God's will. What are we praying? What are you praying for your students? What are you praying for yourselves? You see, it's not good to be without the knowledge that God provides because in Proverbs 19, 2, it says, it's not good for a person to be without knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We saw it over and over and see it over and over in the Old Testament where they would seek knowledge and then they would forsake God and they would be punished. It's not good for us to be without knowledge. It's not good for us to be without the knowledge of God in our life. So we need to pursue, number one, and then we need to pray for the knowledge of God's will in our life. So how does one obtain this knowledge? First, we must desire it. There's got to be a want to. There's got to be a desire to pursue the knowledge of God's will in our life. Hosea 6.3 says, let us know and let us press on to know the Lord. Every year at the beach, it's a tradition, I, I run with Gene Malden. Now, Gene Malden just finished running the Boston Marathon. I just finished running to the kitchen. That's about all the running I do. So... He texts me the night that we're supposed to go running. And I know that Gene, I mean, he can, out, he can outrun me, he can outdistance me, and he can outendurance me, you know? And so I'm really not looking forward to going running with Gene the next morning. So he texts me and said, Kevin, are you going to go running with me in the morning? And so I gave him the godly answer. I said, I'm praying about it. I texted him back and said, I'll pray about it, which basically meant, no, I'm not going running with you. Don't we do that oftentimes when people ask us to do something that we really don't want to do? Oh, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it, you know. Some people do, however, take the time to really earnestly seek God and pray about it. But the truth is, we really do what we want to do. The truth is, we make time to do and prioritize the things that we want to do. If sports is important to us, guess what? We're going to make time. We're going to carve out time for sports in our life. If church is important to us, Students, we're going to carve out and we're going to make time for church. If reading the Bible is important to you, there's no such answer as, I don't have time to read the Bible. My schedule is too busy. If you want to read the Bible and you want to be a student of God's Word, you will make the time and take the time to read God's Word. And if you want to be someone who is intimate and personal with God through prayer, if you want to do 
that you will make time to do it. It's just a matter of want to. I guess we need to ask the question this morning, what you want to do? Where, you, where do you want your life to go? What do you want your life's canvas to look like? Because you are painting a picture for other people to see. And they know what's important to you. We have got to first desire the knowledge of God's will in our life. Secondly, we have got to search for it. Not just desire it, but we've got to search for it. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. We also know that the book of Hebrews tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. While we were at the beach, uh, Jay, my son, lost his iPod. We'd just come home from the restaurant, and we go over to the main house where everybody is congregating, and uh, we spend some time over there, and then we go back to the house where we were sleeping, and Jay says, Dad, I've, I've lost my iPod. And so I call over to the main house, and I have the girls look around the main house to make sure, you know, that iPod's not there. And then we search our house to make sure the iPod is not in our house. And then we go to the bus to make sure that uh, the iPod's not on there, that it had fallen out of his pocket on the way back from the restaurant. Nowhere to be found. We even had Molly call the restaurant to make sure that it wasn't there. Nope, sorry, hadn't found it. The next morning, uh, before we went to bed, I said, I said, Jay... Upset, of course. I said, have you prayed about it? I said, yes, I've prayed about it. I said, well, let's pray about it together. And so we pray about it, and, and we go to sleep, and we ask God, Lord, just plead, please lead us to that. Next morning, I get up early and uh, text Molly and say, hey, Molly, let's go to co- go get a cup of coffee and, and just go to the restaurant by chance to see if it's there. Because I remember Jay saying, Dad, after we ate, I ran and I raced one of the teenagers to the bus. So would you just check? And so Molly and I, we went and get our co- to get our coffee, and we drove to the restaurant. And then as we drove to the restaurant, we pull up into the gravel parking lot. She goes, wait, is that it? And I opened the door, and it was broken and shiny. I said, I hope not. I hope that's not it. <laughs> she goes, no, not that. And she got out of the car, and she walked right around, and she picked it up. And she found Jay's iPod, not rained on, not run over by another car, or not stolen by another person. We never would have found the iPod had we not searched for it diligently. Church, what are you looking for? Because what you look for, you pretty much are going to find. What you want to do, you're going to do. But I think the greater question is this. Are we praying for, are we desiring, are we pursuing, and are we seeking the knowledge of God's will in our life so that we can pray that for our students' life? That's what Paul prayed for the Colossians. Well, there are some benefits that actually come from knowing the knowledge of God's will. And Paul lists them here in the book of Colossians. And the first thing that it produces is a walk that exemplifies consistent godly character. You know, the Bible tells us that we're to walk in faith. The Bible tells us that we're to to walk in purity. We're to walk in faith. And we're to walk in love. And we're to walk in contentedness. 
And those are all well and good. And we should model our life after walking in that type of direction. But I think the greatest example that we could follow this morning is not in in, in, in a characteristic of the way we should walk, but in a man who walked the walk. And this man's name is Simon, who's found in the 23rd uh, chapter of the Gospel of Luke that says this, And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. Try to picture this scene. As Simon comes in from the country and he's lined the streets of Jerusalem not knowing what's going on. And then all of a sudden he sees the parade of criminals coming up the street. The street called Golgotha, uh, the street called Via de la Rosa, up to Golgotha to be crucified. And then he sees one man named Jesus who the crowd is saying crucifying and spitting on him and mocking him. And when he gets to the feet of Simon, he stumbles and he falls Because he is exhausted. He is beat almost to death already. And then the Roman soldier looks at him and says, You, you carry his cross. And Simon takes the cross. And he puts it on his back. And he walks behind Jesus to the place of his death. That's a hard prayer to pray for somebody, isn't it? That we're to take up the cross of Christ and follow him where most of the world dare not go. Listen to what the preacher's homiletic commentary says about this man named Simon. It says, at first Simon had to carry the cross by compulsion. No one was anxious for this task, but the compulsive task became to him a joy and an honor. Compulsion was changed into delight. The task was a brief one, but it made his name immortal. What is it that we will be remembered by? A few short verses in the Bible, and Simon the Cyrene is remembered forever for the man who carried the cross of Christ. I want my life to be like that man named Simon of Cyrene. So when my time on this earth is past, someone can look at me and say, that man carried the cross of Christ. I want us to be able to pray for our students in such a way that when they go from here to their different universes, that they continue to carry the cross of Christ because that is the walk worthy in the manner of the Lord Jesus Christ. The life we have is so brief. So brief. What better honor could we have than when we come to the end of it, they could say of us that we carried the cross of Christ. Well, next, being filled with the knowledge of his will produces a fruitful life. That's what Paul describes here in the scripture. And John says about a fruitful life in John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So what is fruit? We know the fruit. We've been good Bible students. Galatians 5, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We know those things, but are they being produced in our life? 
Because the only way that they are produced in our life is when we actually are in pursuit of the knowledge of God's will. That is a natural byproduct of pursuing Christ. The Bible talks about fruit as also being good works and praise and giving and holy attitudes. The night that we went out to eat at the beach was uh, a memorable one. It really was. Um, you ever tried making reservations for 21 people? It's pretty hard. Um, but we did. But when we got to the restaurant, it was, it was packed. I mean, it's Memorial Day weekend, and tons of people are there, so we still had to wait an hour for us to get our seat. And then when we finally got our seat, they didn't even bring the hush puppies out. I mean, everybody's got to have hush puppies with seafood, and they didn't even bring the hush puppies out. We make the order, and then it probably took another hour for us to get our food. And then Chris Johnson is one of the guys who didn't even get his food then. It took probably another 10, 15, 20 minutes for him to get his food. And when the waitress came and said, Chris, or not Chris, sorry, here's your, here's your food. I'm sorry it's so late. He said, you better be sorry. I about ready. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, it's okay. It happens. And he looked at me after that and he said, Kevin, I've been praying for patience in my life. <laughs> you passed. You passed. Good job. Before we got our food that night, too, again, as a long evening, there was a man by the name of Jerry. And we were, did I mention we were outside and it was cold? It was cold that night. There's a man named Jerry who came up to our table and said, I couldn't help but notice by your conversation, I couldn't help but notice by your behavior that you are believers, that you're Christians. We said, yeah, we are. He said, I'm just, I need prayer. I have, have um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold on my job. And he wasn't looking for a handout. He wasn't looking for any money. All he wanted was prayer. And so we gathered around Jerry. We put our hands on, a, on him, some of us, and we prayed for Jerry. And then we, he went on his way. And at the end of the night, I go up to Allison and Ashbaugh, and I said, guys, I'm sorry that this took so long. You know what they said to me? They said, Kevin, had it not taken that long, we would have missed a divine appointment with a man named Jerry. God is in control of our lives. He is sovereign. He knows the step before we take it. He knows the situation that we'll be in before we're in it. And through it all, we have got to pray for the knowledge of God's will because it brings forth fruit. And then the Bible tells us a number of things that being filled with the knowledge of will brings to us such as natural growth and strength and power and thanksgiving. But I think the greatest, one of the greatest things that it can bring us is endurance because a lot of times we just get tired, don't we? I think the temptation in life sometimes is just to, to give up. But Paul says, no, search for the Lord and gain the strength to endure. I asked Molly what she thought it meant to endure the other morning. She said, not giving up. Not giving up. I love going to the beach because, uh, especially at, um, with the, the teenagers, because they often provide good sermon illustrations, right? Well, this time there was an adult who provided a great illustration. Pam Eichard, y'all know Pam, right? 
uh, we actually stay at her in-laws' beach house while we're there. And then we stay at other beach houses. We have to rent other houses while we're there as well. But she was out one evening, you know, on the, the deck, lo- overlooking the canal. And then she looks to her left about five houses down where Mark, her husband, is staying with the junior boys. Well, she sees Mark out on the deck. And she thought, well, nobody's around. I'm going to whistle at him. So she whistles at him. He looks straight ahead. Totally and completely ignored her. And then a second time, she's like, well, I did, maybe I need to whistle louder. Right? So she, is, she whistled louder to get Mark's attention. Well, he looked straight ahead. I mean, just totally and completely ignored her. He said, well, man, what is going on? So she got a, a magazine, and she rolled it up like a megaphone. And she whistles into that megaphone as loud as she could whistle. Still, he was looking straight ahead with not paying any attention to Pam whatsoever. And she got, well, I'm going to fix him. So she gets her phone out, and she texts him, I am standing on the deck whistling at you. Would you pay attention to me? And Mark texts back, and he says, Babe, you're not whistling at me. I'm asleep on the couch. I think she probably went inside and sat down after that. (laughs) She didn't give up, though, until she got in touch with her man. The temptation for us when it gets hard is to give up. The temptation for us is, why pray? Why do this? The temptation is there to give up. And the Lord Jesus says, endure. Endure, endure, endure. Well, guys, that's the first point. Pray, 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 and pray some more. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. And pray until you feel like it. Second point, I promise, I promise this will be shorter. Promise. Second point is this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Verses 15 through 17 say this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. To keep the main thing the main thing, remember whose you are, and where you came from. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it like this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Students, always remember who you belong to, to the Lord Jesus. I told you this was shorter. I'm sure Pam 
if she were closer to that strange man that she was whistling to on the beach, would have realized that it wasn't Mark after all. I believe we begin to lose sight of our identity in Christ the further we are away from him. But the closer we are to him, the more we realize who we are, whose we are, and who we belong to. So in last this morning, to keep the main thing the main thing is just to realize that Christ holds you together. I've got a short video clip that helps illustrate this point. And I'll tell you how you can know tonight that God will always hold you together no matter what. It's by looking a little deeper into the human body and it's a little protein molecule called laminin. That's about what I felt the first time I heard that. Long story short, the tour was winding down last time around. We were in Tyler, Texas. The night was over. A guy walks up to me. I wish I could tell you the whole story. It was so of God. Introduces himself to me. He says, how are you doing? I just want to say hello. I said, it's nice to meet you. He says, you guys winding the tour down. Uh, where are you going to go from here? I said, well, I'm on my way back home to Atlanta, Georgia. He said, well, what's next for you? I said, I'm going to be preaching the next two Sundays for my pastor back in Atlanta. He said, oh, cool. What are you preaching on? I said, well, the series is on the glory of God and the human body. He said, that's really amazing. I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. G give me your talk. And I was like, oh, wow. I wasn't quite yet ready to unload the talk for a molecular biologist. So I kind of stumbled through what I had and he's kind of being kind and gracious and like, uh-huh, that's good. And then he says, well, what's your big left hook? You gotta have a left hook, a big finish, right? I said, I don't have a left hook yet. He said, oh, Louie, oh man, your left hook is laminin. And I'm, I'm totally blank on laminin. He goes, Louie, it's a cell adhesion molecule, protein molecule. Do you know about proteins? I'm like, no. He said, Louis, cells organize into certain molecular structures and that determines what protein there are. There are between 10 and 60,000 proteins in the human body. We don't even know how many proteins are in the human body. But one of them is a cell adhesion molecule. It's organized into this certain structure and that tells the cell what its job is in the body. And this one is a cell adhesion molecule. And I'm like, all right. He said, no, Louis. it's like the rebar of the human body. The steel they put in the concrete when they lay the foundations of things, it's that stuff. It's, it's holding your membranes together. It's the glue of the human body, Louis. It's laminin. You've got to tell them about laminin. And I'm like, I promise you, I'm going home and tell them about laminin. And I'm sure when I do, revival is going to sweep across the church and probably around the world when I tell them. He said, no, 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 no. You've got to see laminin. Like, okay, let's see it. He said, No, 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 you need to go look it up online. You need to go Google laminin. Like, I don't even know how to spell laminin. <laughs> Takes his card out, he writes on the back, L A M I N I N. I'm like, Okay, I cannot wait to get to my computer and get on Google, click on images, type in laminin, and I'm waiting, and these little thumbnails come up on the screen, and I'm like, That's laminin, the cell adhesion molecule. Woo! 
I am so excited. I am beside myself. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I love laminin. I'm so fired up. You should see laminin, I guess. That's the thing, right? Okay. Here is a scientific diagram of the laminin cell adhesion molecule that's holding your body together right now. Okay, this is what I found right here. No, come on, that's crazy. That's just crazy. I'm, I just can't believe it. I emailed that guy back so fast, I'm like, wow, 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 what in the world? He said, you want to see an actual laminin molecule? I'm like, oh no, man, the diagram was cool for me. I'm happy with that. Don't, don't bother sending anything else. I'm like, yes! And he sends me this image, an electron microscopic image of an actual laminin protein molecule. It looks just like this. Like how crazy is that? That the stuff that holds our bodies together, that's holding the lining of your organs together, holding your skin on, is in the perfect shape of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately I'm thinking about the words of Paul in Colossians 1. You know this beautiful passage where Paul's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the sufficiency of Christ. He says, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, all things have been created, things in heaven and things on earth. All things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. But then the next verse goes on to say this, it's crazy. And he, Jesus, is before all things and in him, that is in Jesus Christ, all things hold together. It's right, it's right there. I'm like, of course they do. Of course they do. Everything holds together in Jesus Christ. And he goes on at the end of this paragraph and he just tells the story of grace. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ and through Christ to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Thank you for indulging me for a few more moments this morning, but before we went home, I wanted you to know You are held together in Christ. Parents, when you say goodbye to them and they're off to their schools, you are held together in Christ. And when life gets hard, you're held together in Christ. And nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate you from the cross of Jesus. You are His. Go live for Him. Go live for Him. We're going to pray here. And this invitation is for anyone who's not held together in Christ. 
And if you don't know the Savior that these students know, my prayer is today is that you come to this altar and you get on your hands and you get on your knees and you ask God to save you. My prayer is too that you're able to pray for these students that they would know the will of God in their life. That they would pursue it with everything that they have. That they would seek it with all of their might. And that they are able to look to you for the example. I'm going to pray. Jonathan's going to come lead us in a song. And you respond to the invitation as to how the Lord leads you. Father, you are so good that you hold us together. And Father, I pray this morning that if there's one here that is not They've not received Christ as their Savior. I ask God that you speak to their hearts. And that they would give their life to you. And God I pray this morning. As we uh, come to this time of invitation. That if we have not earnestly sought the knowledge of your will. That we could come to this place now. And get on our hands and knees and face before you. And say I seek you above all. For it's in your name. We pray, have your will and way. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand as we sing together and you respond as to how the Lord leads.